Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight, an acupuncture and holistic medicine clinic on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from anxiety to fatigue, digestive issues to women's health, and so much more. And speaking of women's health, Healing Insight has some huge news. Practitioner Nikki Ballian was just officially certified as a fertility specialist by the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She's been specializing in women's health and fertility for 12 years and is now one of only nine practitioners to have this special certification in the entire state of Minnesota. In fact, my youngest sister, Jenny, started to become concerned about her fertility after trying to get pregnant for about six months. She says she could feel changes in her body within just a few treatments from Nikki and credits Nikki with getting her body on track to become pregnant. And Jenny's first baby is expected this summer. I'm currently pregnant with baby number three and have visited Healing Insight regularly throughout my pregnancies and especially at a time when my prenatal care has seemed really uncertain because of the COVID-19 health crisis. Knowing that I'm consistently able to focus on my physical and emotional health with Senya has been so important. Senya was also our featured guest on one of our most listened to episodes of Best to the Nest. It's episode 25, simply titled Anxiety and episode 113, where we talk about coping with the COVID-19 global pandemic. Visit Healing Insight HealingInsightOnline.com. That's HealingInsightOnline.com to find out more about Senya and her team. And congratulations, Nikki. I'm Elizabeth Reese, and this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And I am flying solo today. My co-host, Marjorie Punnett, had a family emergency, and so she is uh, spending some time with her family and taking care of things, but we wanted to make sure that we still had a conversation ready for you this week. So Marjorie will be back with us in a couple of days, and I have a wonderful guest to introduce you to. So we're talking talking today about parenting in a pandemic. So parenting is hard enough, and then we're going to add on a pandemic and then see how we all do. And our guest today is someone that I've been so looking forward to talking to. We've been connecting over the past few months about what she's been up to and how uh, we can learn more about it. And her name is Dr. Bobby Wagner. So Bobby Wagner is a supervising clinical psychologist at Boston Behavioral Medicine. She's a lecturer at Harvard, and she's the co-founder of something I think you guys are going to absolutely love. It is a website called Nuvenu, okay? And what it does is help connect parents to coaches. Couldn't we all use a coach right about now? Uh, Dr. Wagner's specialty is modern families, stress, and coping. She writes and speaks on this nationally and has a book coming out next year. In fact, the final draft is due today, and she is busy raising her three children who are 11, 9, and 6. So we're going to talk about the idea of theory behind parenting, 
but then also the emotions that come along with it, empathy, kindness, and then developing some simple skills, particularly now during times of uncertainty and anxiety. Bobby, I'm so happy to get to talk to you finally. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. That is such a generous introduction, and I'm just super excited to be here. Oh, me too. I'm really excited about this, and you and I have been talking and kind of connecting because your connection with Minneapolis is strong, even though you're in... Boston. Right. You work with a lot of people here, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm based in Boston, but I come to Minneapolis, um, every two to three weeks, actually. And my partners are in Minneapolis. So I've over the past almost two years, I've grown to know Minneapolis really well and have just completely fallen in love and brought my kids and my husband. And it's just awesome. So oh, I love that. Well, yeah. we are so excited about this, about this website. And you guys, I think you're going to want to go on to the website as soon as you can and start just looking at the available services and sort of the mentality behind a parent coach. I think a lot of us, you know, it's funny. I was just at my sister's. We had a baby shower for my sister over the weekend and we didn't do any sort of parenting advice, but at a lot of baby showers, people are handing out advice. Advice is different from coaching. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, but let's talk about this mission first, Bobby, of just making parenting better. I mean, sometimes I'm in the thick of it. I have a five-year-old and almost three-year-old and a third on the way. And I am sometimes thinking, where is the fun in this? Because it just feels so hard, particularly at this time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a lot of people's experience. And this is where my mission really comes from. So as a mom of three myself and having been in psychology and working with parents and families and kids and being a kid person and a nanny and just like really being in it. And then, so I felt like I was the best prepared person to have kids. And then I had my own and I was like, holy cow, this is (laughs) different. This is hard. This is stressful. All these old emotions and new emotions came to the surface. Like the best parts of me, the worst parts of me. And I started to really realize there's a lot of normative stress and anxiety that comes along with parenting and, and families. And there's not a ton of support. There's like mommy blogs and articles online. And then there's like a big gap to therapy and psychologists and professionals that seem like you don't really need that either. Right. So it's sort of like, what's that space in between to help get clearer about kind of what your values are as a parent, some skills that you might are kind of might be working on or learning, and also just supporting you as a person. We all know that health and wellness trickles down from the top. So It's really important for parents to take care of themselves, like as an individual, to really show up in the best way possible for their kids and their partners and their families and whomever's in their lives. Well, and that's why this this concept fits so well into Best to the Nest and into the idea of the podcast, because we are so focused on a more holistic view of the home. What we talk about is, I love the idea of self-care. I think self-care is great and it's wonderful. I also think that it is kind of a slippery slope to a bit of toxic positivity and it can be really become focused on if everything around me isn't making me happy, then it's time to get rid of it. And I don't think that that's a holistic way to look at your home or your marriage, number one, or your uh-huh. relationships. But so when we when we focus on the home here, it's all about, okay, let's take that idea of self-care and expand it into our family. If we are making our family and our home a healthy, strong sanctuary as much as we can. Please, there are going to be days when you're yelling and it's not going well, whatever. But what that can, what impact that can have on you when you leave your home. I think 
parenting, the biggest shocker for me was just how much stress it has on your marriage. I mean, I think so much about whenever I hear about people who are splitting up when they have, like, I remember when Drew Barrymore said she was getting divorced, Bobby, how sad is this? And she had like a three-year-old and an 18-month-old or something at the time. And I thought, well, yeah, no wonder you want to get divorced. I mean, everybody wants to get divorced at that time, right? Am I the only one who thinks like, this is hard on your relationship? And I think so many people just go, I'm by myself, I'm alone. And now this guy sucks and I got to get out of here when there is help that you're offering that really was is filling in that gap. Yeah, I think you've touched on so many important things. And I I mean, your mission is so aligned with our mission. And it's really about authenticity, right? It's not some sugar coated picture of what family and parenting is. It's like, let's have real straight talk with people who also know some theory in the in the back, but it's not advice at all. It's more of like a community sharing authentic conversation. And I think what you're talking about is just so real. And that's like, I really believe in kind of going first and, and the way I write is about bridging the psychologist part of me and the, the mom, human woman part of me and speaking to my own struggles with this. Like I'm in therapy with my own therapist because I have three kids and I have a partner that I, I don't want to get a divorce from, but it's challenging at times <laughs> and just trying to stay focused on the long game here and what I really want to do and just go through the motion to figure out what I, just to be true to like what's in front of me, like the ups, the downs and everything in between. Yeah. And the goal is preserving the family unit, number one. Yeah. And then number two, making it as great as it can be. So, okay. When you talk about, so when you're in the website and I see like all these coaching options and group options, which are just so cool, where do people start to figure out what's the best fit for me? Because I think you're so right. It's either everything's fine or everything's a nightmare and you are literally in the therapist's office with your entire family trying to figure things out. There has been no space for the in-between. And frankly, the in-between is where a lot of us are a lot of the time, and it can be yeah. hard. I mean, that that's exactly where this comes from. It's like exactly in the middle. And we came up with this idea that, A, finding a therapist is, you might not need a therapist. Two, it's expensive. There are obstacles in terms of timing, schedule, pricing. Yeah. It's just there's like so many things that make getting help hard that people end up not doing it, but then yeah. they're really missing out. So we want to take like a no-pressure approach. It's like we're here. If you need us, you can call once, you can call every day, you can call just whatever suits your family, but where to begin. I think we'll, we'll capture a lot of people who are a little ambivalent about getting help, but this is sort of an easy way to connect with somebody and just to feel it out. If you don't like it, then don't do it. So you look on the website, you can see if anybody kind of speaks to you, but, but also no, I think. I know all the coaches personally. So between people I've taught or people in my practice, they're really well-trained, know their stuff, but like cool, kind, normal people that you'd want to have a glass of wine or a beer with too. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I, I really don't think you can go wrong. We're all trained and have more training than kind of, I think, well, I'm going to get in hot water if I say this, but we're all like trained mental health clinicians. People are psychologists and physicians, but we're kind of dialing it down to be a coach. So it's like a little bit lighter, more digestible, less pressure. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know about your whole family history unless you want to tell me, but let's stay in the moment, stay on the goal, stay at the issue at hand and try to kind of move forward the best way we can. So you kind of go and get a feel for, okay, which coach would I maybe jive with the best? And then you get 
a session with the coach. I know there's a free 30 minute beginning session, and then you can figure out if you want to do however many coaching sessions you want. Now, is it always people with their partner? I mean, obviously if people don't have a partner, that's a different story. Yeah. Are you, are your kids in the coaching session with you? What seems to work best? So we're really focusing on the parent. So mm-hmm. we actually don't see kids under 18. I mean, maybe eventually, but right now we're just trying to stay focused on, we really think helping parents create a better home for everybody. So you can call independently, we have longer sessions if you wanted like an hour session, if you want to do a co-parenting or a couples type thing. But the idea is that this is not parenting advice. Like you're not going to call and say, listen, like how do I get my kid to eat dinner? Yeah. Where it's more like, okay, how can we help you be the best version of yourself in that moment when your kid's like fighting with you? Or yeah. if you want to start working out again, I mean, it's like we could talk about anything. The goal is to help you be the best version of yourself based on what you're telling us. But we also believe that you have all the wisdom that you know this better than we do. Mm-hmm. And we can just kind of help pull it out for you and make it a little clearer and put the playing cards on the table so you can see them in a different way. Well, and I think sometimes the benefit of therapy mm-hmm. and, you know, I sing the praises of marriage counseling in particular. I also am a big believer just mm-hmm. so everybody knows because I know people have asked me, how do you find your therapist? And I, I mean, I remember just sitting and thinking, Number one, I do not have the time or the energy to go interview five different therapists. So I would sit and look online and I just was in a quiet place and I just read, I looked at pictures of therapists and read their bios Mm -hmm. and then just felt, is this the right person? And then when I saw our therapist, I was like, this is the right person. I just feel, I just kind of felt like, okay, this is who we're going to go to. And I think that's sometimes overlooked when it comes to mm-hmm. how do we pick mm-hmm. someone to go to that that can be really oh, yeah. helpful just that gut check that 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 is the most important piece of this so mm-hmm. aside from doing kind of what you mentioned I'm still a practicing psychologist have a private practice in Boston and I say to a new client all the time give this three sessions with me if this doesn't feel right this is not beneficial to either of us because yeah. I want you to grow and you're not going to grow if you don't trust me and this doesn't feel good. So we're on the same team here. And I think the upside of new Venu is that like you can test out people and all of our coaches have that frame of mind too. So mm-hmm. if this doesn't feel right, this person might be better for you, you know, and we kind of know who we're playing with. So there, there are options, but, but that fundamentally, if you're looking for a therapist, coach, whomever with us or someone else, follow your gut a hundred, a hundred and ten percent all yeah. the time. I totally, I totally agree with that. Okay. So then let's get to the nitty gritty of what's actually happening in homes right now, because I know that you were planning on launching this for a long time and then the pandemic hit and it became, I I would assume that your mission shifted a little bit, but also maybe the urgency of needing this kind of coaching. You were like, we got to get this going now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened. So as you knew, um, as you know, we were planning on launching something in Minnesota, in Minneapolis called Head First, and we're doing events and doing all this community collaboration. And we were, my partner owns a bunch of restaurants. So the Tavern franchise, Tavern yeah. on France and things yeah. like that. So um, it's Hemisphere Restaurant Partners and Hemisphere Companies. And so we were going to have a cool sort of restaurant, smoothie type bar with some parenting type classes, but have make it much fun and lighter, have a class called I and My Mother Learning the Stuff That Crap Back Inside, uh, like things <laughs> that just you can explore it, but make it like lighter and more fun and not pathological and then have a play space and a workspace. And we were really moving towards this. And then 
the week COVID hit, I was in Minneapolis and we had this team and we had this plan and we're off to the races. And a week later, it's like everybody's furloughed and we're back to square one. So we pivoted and rebranded and relaunched. We're we're about to launch like this week. And we're just like, we have to get this going and we need something where people can call from home and that's accessible and affordable but still with the same mission of supporting parents and meeting them where they're at. So it, it's like a distant cousin of Head First, but it's still serving the same need, but just in a different form. So what are what are you finding in your practice and in talking to parents that is that they're really struggling with right oh, now? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean honestly, let's start like, with everything, everything and then we'll go to a couple <laughs> examples. I was like, what are they not struggling with? Might be easier. But I think the reality is if we just back up and look at kind of um, where we are as a culture, we're parenting from uh, already on the edge type perspective, like completely stressed. I mean, and this isn't me judging. I'm part of this too. I have like a thousand things on my, my schedule every single day. My mm-hmm. three kids are going in different directions. My um, husband has a high demanding job, like, and then COVID hit and all support just bottomed out. So yeah, you don't have your village anymore. You couldn't no. even see your village. I mean, no. I'm just getting back to being able to start to see my Completely. friends and my parents. And I oh, mean, yeah. and a Zoom happy hour just oh, is not going to do it for in terms of no. like really getting to the gritty with your friends about what's going on. Yeah. I mean, all support. So from educational support. So it's not just the support bottom bottomed out, but then all these parents have to wear like 50,000 different hats. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to work. I'm trying to feed my kids now. I'm trying to school them. I'm trying to like be their in-house therapist and trying not to lose my job. And my husband's plus like family things too, like sick family members or things have yeah. come up. That's like life rolls on. And as a parent, you're sitting there holding the phone with no support. Mm-hmm. So parents, it's really, we know we are on the precipice of like a huge mental health crisis. We're yeah. already kind of in it, yeah. but just historically, um, mental health is very tied to financial health and to pandemics. And we know people are struggling and it's just a matter of time until the research like tells us that more clearly, but I see it in my practice. It's like what I'm hearing from people, what I'm seeing from people, what I'm experiencing myself, you know, it's really interesting now more than ever when my patients talk about things, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it too. I'm I'm like feeling that this week too, because we're all in the same kind of pot right now. It's so true. And I, I have found to at least my like low moments or anxiety moments where on a norm, now I'm pregnant, so that's also different. So I get a little bit more you know, during that time, but it's much more intense and it's much more of a feeling of like everything's falling apart versus like one thing is falling apart. And in our house, we've been kind of fortunate that it's been generally like when one of us, like if my husband is having a rough go, I'm doing better. And then we kind of have been alternating a little bit. But, you know, I mean, we, we talked about this on the podcast. We live in Minneapolis. And so during the riots mm-hmm. and the and the looting, which I always specify are very separate from the peaceful protests, the protests, important, needed, looting and riots, very, very scary, particularly if you live in the middle of it. It was like, how, yeah. how, Insanity. yeah, how are we even going to make it happen? And then, and then the fallout from the kids, you know, for the first time, Bobby, I remember, when we were driving, I was driving back from my parents' house. We stayed at my parents' house a couple nights with the kids. Jay stayed here with the house. And my daughter, who's five, 
as soon as we entered the city limits of Minneapolis, she got a stomach ache. We were in yeah. the car and she was Aww. saying, mama, my tummy hurts. My Aww. tummy hurts. And I knew I, and I, you know, I know enough to know that that is straight anxiety. Yeah. So yeah. what's happening then is you've got all these things on the parents, everybody trying to keep it together. What's the fallout for the kids then as they are watching their parents? And even if you're not expressing it directly, they feel the feelings. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly you're hitting a nail on the head that like you can't not including your kid in the conversation isn't doing him or her any favors because they feel it. They see it. They they pick up on the vibe. So it's much better. And this is actually what my book's about is putting difficult topics like in a developmental context. So your daughter's five and you might think, oh, she's a little oblivious or she doesn't know what's going on. But she feels that energy and she sees your stress. She sees you differently. And yeah. It's normative for you to be stressed and worried right now, plus with a pregnancy, and then she's probably picking up on that too. So, and you're the filter in which she views the world. So I think naming that and, 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 and owning it and speaking to it, like, yeah, mom's like worried right now, or, you know, I'm really sad about what's happening in the city and, and you're safe and you're okay and we'll get through this. So Mm -hmm. for her, for little kids, everything's filtered through the lens of like, am I okay? Is my family okay? You have a small circle of, concern at this age. Yeah. So they just want to make like, no, we're still good. The world can be falling apart, but my mom's still my mom and she'll be there. And my dad's still my dad. Or, and so I think naming the vibe that she's feeling to validate her feelings so she can connect with that, that internal experience she's having and she can trust herself, but also teaching her that we've gone through moments like this in the past Yeah. and that it will be okay, but it's hard right now. And it's, this is what we're doing to take care of each other. And I'm so glad you brought this up for me. I'm so yeah. glad you're telling me you have a stomach ache. I think that might be worry. What does that feel like? You know, just like helping her oh, connect with good. her experience. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That idea of just acknowledging. I, you know, when she was saying that, I would, I, I was really focused on the safety factor because I felt very sad that she didn't feel safe in our home. I mean, I knew that was what it was. That we were on our way home. And she was starting to not feel safe and she was starting to feel uncertain because every day we'd been having these conversations, which she was hearing, which is, do we have to go or are we going to stay? Do we go? Do we stay? And then mama's packing a bag and then we're going. That historical context is interesting to me. I think even just from an adult perspective and an older kid perspective, that when you are feeling so overwhelmed. Like I was reading some articles about the Spanish flu, you know, 1916 and 1918 and like reading about it. And I did find that to be comforting because I just felt like, well, this is, this is part of humanity and this is part of the human experience for certain generations. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that too, actually, Elizabeth. And I can send you if you're into that. Um, So Harvard has a whole like page dedicated to kind of putting this in a historical cultural Oh context. my gosh, of course they do. Yes. And I've never it's attended awesome. Harvard, so this sounds wonderful. Uh, I mean, neither did I. I don't know how I got a job there, but like <laughs> I can, but now I'm on these cool emails where you get these like great resources. But for me, that is so comforting. If you, if I think about the world and humanity as beyond my own personal experience, yes. then it's like, wait a minute, there's been plenty of pandemics and like the world falls apart, but the rest of the story is that it also comes back together that we're not really focusing on. And now kind of getting through it, I can feel it myself. I had some friends over last week and we stayed up till one thirty, just like laughing outdoors. And it was so awesome. And that was so different than three weeks ago or four weeks ago or like when this began, I just, that felt impossible. It did feel impossible. And we're starting to feel 
like it is possible. And then also I think understanding the positives that come along with experience something diff- experiencing something difficult, which is what everyone talks about when they say, okay, I beat cancer. And then they look at their life in an entirely different way. Yeah. And that is that enables them to have that perspective of, sure, I don't want to go through cancer. That's the worst. But that being said, I don't know if I would yeah. want to trade this perspective that I have that I got really. from the other side. Yeah, that you're making me think of two things. One, I feel like we're in this like cultural existential crisis. Like, mm-hmm. who's most important for me? Who who's most important to me? Where do I want to invest time? Where do I want to invest energy? There's this like all the fray seems to fall away a little bit. Like, yeah. what do I actually want to do? Yeah, I'm also learning more about myself. But also, there was a third point of that. Oh, I think this is actually a really important time for families. So. If we think back to that, like kind of my pediatrician will say we're in the polio, uh, anxiety is the new polio. It's like yeah. the polio of our generation. Yeah. Everyone's stressed and anxious and running from thing to thing. And I think like the upside of COVID is it's just forced us all to stop dead in our tracks with no other option mm-hmm. to like rationalize out of it. And it's like, you know what? My kids didn't play sports this spring. And it's not so bad. <laughs> like, I'm actually not super psyched for them to jump back to all these activities. Yeah. And like, I'm probably not going to sign them up for much this summer, which like, for as long as I've had kids, I've never done that. Yeah. They've had like six weeks of camp followed by mm-hmm. some other thing. And I have nothing on the books right now. I know. And then you compare that to your own childhood where that was how every summer was for me. I mean, I don't even remember having anything totally. going on. I maybe had like a music lesson that continued. And then we maybe had a babysitter who was like 14 who kind of kept an eye on us. Yeah. (laughs) And then I just ran around the neighborhood and we just went everywhere and had such freedom and just time to just find things to figure out how to entertain ourselves. And I, I do think there's a little bit of like, this is a, this is a pull back to saying, guys, what, remember your own childhood and remember how it was. And I don't know how we got to this point where we got so obsessed with entertaining our children and making them happy all the time, but it's not doing them any good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten so bad that the American Academy of Pediatrics, I think last year, like are asking pediatricians to prescribe play to their children because we know the importance of free play and unstructured time. And although like we know this as parents, when all your neighbors are doing sports or activities, you're like, wait, either the question is, is my kid going to get left behind academically in terms of athletics? And there's no one in the neighborhood to play with. (laughs) So why would I keep my kid home? You know, (laughs) but I think this is really going to, um, because we're forced to do it, people are also going to sort of stumble upon the value of it, which, which is really what I hope. So how is your team, team members then, how are you guys integrating that into your coaching? Because that has to be some of it. I mean, a lot of the, I can imagine that a lot of the struggles that families are having is we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just so much going. So when you approach families who are connecting with your coaches and want some help, what, how is that, is that slowdown part of the philosophy and part of the conversation? Yeah. I mean, we start each session. So most of us are trained. So I'm in a behavioral health uh, practice, behavioral medicine. So it's mind body connection. So mm-hmm. what we think affects our body and what are, what we do with our body affects what we think and feel. So yeah. we start each se- session with just like a mini breath 
exercise, just like a minute. Just we know we can change our mental state when we change our physical state. So we start off with that. Ooh, what is it? Can you tell so us what you do? So it's just breathe in for six seconds and then breathe out for six seconds and yeah. do it three times. But it's just very grounding. And mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the feedback we're getting in our testing sessions, people are like, oh, I'm surprised by that. And I really love it. So it's like a little surprise thing that I think people need to be forced a little bit to see the value. And then you just settle in your body in a different way. And then you're ready to talk about things. But but I think the way we're approaching this like bigger cultural issue is really getting clear with parents and people about their own values. So yeah. if I say, I want happy kids in a calm home. And then I say, okay, well, like I'm leaving at six in the morning and coming home at eight at night. I'm not telling you that like, oh, you shouldn't do that. But it's like, you're saying one thing and you're doing something else. How we yeah. can, how can I help you bridge that gap? What are so your figuring options out, Yeah. Figuring out what your values are, number one. Yeah. And then number two, figuring out how to actually live those values. And I think you're totally right. I think people say the values and then just have no, yeah, they, don't I, they have do absolutely it. no connection with what they're doing. Yeah. And there's not a, people don't like put two and two together, not because they don't care, but they just don't like, if I ask, I, I, if I say, so what are your top three parenting values? Most people are like, uh, I don't know, which is totally normal and fine, but we're trying to help people get clearer and more conscious about their own intention and then actually put plans into place to integrate them at home. And you don't have to overhaul your, your whole house, your family, but like, what's one thing you really want to do? Like for me and and much like you guys, like food's very important. Mm -hmm. And I see it more as like a family connection, mindfulness thing. And it's like, okay, I might be running all day, but I want to come home. I want to cook for my family and I yeah. want to see together. This is why and you I'm, and I are kindred spirits. Totally. That is, I mean, that is literally the reason why I live in the city of Minneapolis. Oh, it sounds so, so silly. The reason I live in the city is because I want to cook dinner and eat with my family. And I knew that if I, with my job and my husband's job, that if we had a commute, that that yeah. was going to be off the table, literally and figuratively off yeah. the table. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, so, so people feel very stressed. Like I'm not spending this much time, but if you spend a short amount of time every day, so even if we break it down to little kids, like 15 minutes of exclusive attention play is great. Your kid's going to remember that. You don't have to be attentive and available all day long, like half paying attention, half not. It's like, screw it. Just like spend 15, 20 minutes, nothing else, no phone, following their lead, doing what they want. And then move on with the day. And then move like, on with I, the day. Yeah, yeah. And I think family dinner has the same kind of mentality to me. It's like, all right, for me, my kids are a little bit older, but let's sit together, screens away. Let's eat together. They'll cook. It's, I like, it's my favorite time. Yeah, I totally agree. But you have to identify what your values are in order to live them because yeah. if you haven't identified them, then you, you're just kind yeah. of spinning and trying to figure out why is everything the worst? And it's because yeah. you're trying to do everything all the you time. don't have a map. You don't you have, have a to, map. You're yeah. just like going in all directions. Yes. It's like pick one thing and work on it. And we literally structure each session this way. So there's a framework we use that like coaches will move off of, but it's kind of like stop. What is the problem? What are your options here? What are your choices? And like, are you satisfied with the solution? So it's just like getting very concrete about either what you're doing in the session, but th- this can be kind of expanded to your life. So like, mm-hmm. what's the problem? You're feeling stressed at home. Okay. What's contributing to the stress? Like what would make that better for you? Let's pick one specific thing. Yeah. Just one little thing that you could do to to try to tackle that. And I think and having that, those conversations with yeah. your partner 
are so important because totally. if you don't, if they're not hearing you say it, and there, there are so many times, I mean, it's just like therapy where you could say the same thing to your partner. I mean, you could say like, this hurts my feelings when this is happening. But most of the time you're not saying it like that. You're like, you're yeah. a jerk and here's yeah. why. <laughs> um, and instead of going, this is what hurts me. And, and then if you have that extra person there to just help you kind of diffuse and not get in this defensive place, it can make such a huge difference. Let's talk about advice versus coaching. Yeah. So when people are doling out advice, generally when people give me advice, I feel like oh, yeah. they're shaming me for what I'm not doing and just lauding themselves for what they have done right. Coaching is a different mentality. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody wants advice ever, period. <laughs> like, just <laughs> nobody ever wants advice, like is what I – so, I mean, and we can call this – part of me is like we're trying to come up with a term that people understand. I, it's like I think of this almost as therapy for people with kids. <laughs> so it's, it's like, okay, we're going to be alongside you. I'm bringing a certain set of expertise, whether that's psychology or parenting or relationships, whatever it is. But you're really bringing your expertise in your family. So there's, in all of this, there's not a one size fit all. So I'm, I think of myself more as like a consultant. So, okay, like tell me what you're, what you're doing here. Yeah. This is what I know. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Let's come up with a mini game plan. If it doesn't work, come back and tell me and we'll like pull from other tools in the bag. Yep. So. I think coaching advice, I'd definitely stay clear from. I don't really know what we are, but that, but it's, it's like our whole thing is we want to neutralize the power dynamic. I'm not the expert telling you what to do. It's like, I'm with you in this to help you think through this in a private, confidential way. And I happen to know psychology, kids, parenting relationships too. Yeah. That's so helpful. And then you're getting that expertise without it feeling like you're just, yeah, there's no expectation. You're not it's on not a lecture. Like, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, and what I say to my coaches is like, if you're doing most of the talking, watch that because nobody needs you to tell them what to do. You have to be clear and intentional about the questions you ask to get the person to figure this out themselves. Yeah. And you know what questions to ask, but they should be talking about 70% of the time or 75% of the time. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So let's talk about, before we go, the shift of the in-families when parenting becomes a little bit easier, when partners are on the same page. And I think, I mean, now what I've discovered through this conversation, which is even more important, is when you are, you know what your values are and you're taking some little steps every day to live in line with those values, what happens to the family dynamic? Yeah. I mean, I think, so when there's, um, and this is what my therapist says to me and I just love it. He's this like older Jungian type guy. He's amazing, but he's like, you know, noticing resistance. So when there's like some kind of disconnection, there's a resistance there in the system. So it's almost like a cog in the, in the, uh, the like think of it. Yeah. Yeah. In the computer, in the machine. So like what's going on there? I'm noticing this resistance. Like why is this stuck? Why are, why is this so hard to get through? Yeah. Why is it so hard to get through? What's my part in it? That's where, where you begin. So yeah. like everything happens in relationship to every, like every family member has a part to play in the system. So you can't control other people's parts. You can only control your own. Yeah. Especially so if you I, have a two-year-old, you can't control them. I can tell you no, that right now, lady. No, that, that that's exactly it. So that's our thing. It's like, okay, well, like your kid could be having a tantrum. There's nothing you can do to get them to stop right. except model or change the way you approach or like what I always say to my patients is 
it takes two to dance and you can't just force someone to dance differently, but you can change your move and they might follow. And so that's really the lens that we look through. So if you're noticing some kind of like resistance or like a issue in your family, really asking yourself, like, what's my hand in this? What's something else I can try? It doesn't have to be the right answer. It just has to be something different mm-hmm. <laughs> because doing the same thing is just like frustrating. No the, one's going to change. Yeah, yeah. The different result. That's the definition of insanity, right? Yeah, completely. And that's what we do because this is how we're wired as humans. We do the same patterns and it takes more work to change. And I'm not going to shoot off into like the, the neural reason behind this, but I think of it as like a ski slope. When you do one behavior over and over again or have one thought and you go down that neural pathway, it's like going down a, sledding or skiing hill it's so much easier because that path's laid yeah and the same thing happens with us um in terms of like our neural communication so trying a new behavior or having a new thought it's like slow and takes work and it's uncomfortable because the sled or the skis like haven't laid the path yet yeah so you have to practice and keep going down the hill and then eventually it it kind of smooves out and you can go much faster it's totally it that. Work. It's it's the smooth ride it's just yeah. a little bit more smoothness i mean i i think that even just a reduction in the friction in like in a lot of families by just 10 to 20% could honestly be the Mm. difference between a family staying intact and a family not. I mean, just like I think it's this, I'm convinced like the difference in financial security always comes down to like a hundred to 200 bucks a month. It's not a huge amount, right? It's just, just enough to make it not feel so hard. Yeah. Where you're not past that tipping point of, I can't do this. Yeah. And how can you, you know, I think like bickering is like the worst thing. Esther Perel is my favorite. Do you, do you know her at all? Elizabeth? No. Oh uh-uh. my God. She's awesome. I can, I can just tell you love her, but she's, um, this, this relationship expert and has written a bunch of books, but she's like, bickering is the worst thing. You know, it just, yeah. it's like, which we all kind of know, but it's really, trying to figure out how you can pick your battles and become very clear about what you're worth, like what's really worth fighting for and what can you let go. And if you can just like reduce the bickering yes. from 50% to 30%, yes. it, it can feel so much dif- different in the relationship for you, your partner and your family. It can change the whole dynamic. Oh yeah. my gosh, Bobby, we have more to talk about. We're going to have to have you back because yeah. I also want to do a whole podcast focused on the idea of the mind-body connection, how what you think impacts your body and what you do with your body impacts your mind, because I think there's so much more there too. But I love this venture, and we have, um, we'll link up everything in the show notes so that you can see the website and you can get in on the coaching. And again, um, Bobby's team, they're offering a 30-minute uh, free coaching session, right, at the beginning, so you can check it out. And you can see if this is something that would work for you. But in this time, I mean, if you're feeling that overwhelming, oh my gosh, but yet I don't know where to go. I think this is such a brilliant option. And I almost think what your your initial concept, which I hope still comes to fruition because I would love to go hang out there and 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 just learn more about it. But I do think in some ways this COVID crisis has shifted many ventures into what we really need instead of what we would like and what we do need to, but what we really need is coming first. And I almost think that that's a blessing for you, Bobby. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Oh, I completely feel this way. I mean, this has not been an easy time if I'm being honest, but there's certain things that there's just these really gems and this is, and this is one of them. This like, I feel them. like, I mean, I just so believe in this. I feel like it's so needed. We're getting such good feedback. I mean, it's like the thing that's keeping 
that's kept COVID exciting and sort of energizing for me. Yeah. And who knows, like this could still spin off to a brick and mortar one day, but right now this is like where we are. Yeah. Um, and this for sure will be part of it forever. So. Oh, I love it. Um, it's so great, Bobby. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for your time. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to besttothenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home and let's send all of our love and positive vibes to Marjorie right now. Bobby, <laughs> next time you're here, Marjorie will be back with us and, um, and we're just giving her all of our support from all of our nesters. Okay, guys, we'll talk next time. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.